Hello there, you're welcome to another interesting edition of Sports Africana. You're welcome to the special Africa Cup of Nations edition brought to you by MTN, the number one mobile telecommunication network in Nigeria. You're welcome to this special edition and if you're listening to this, believe it or not, this is after an accelerated semi-final match between Egypt and Cameroon. And we're going to talk about all um, the semi-final. We are at the business end of the African Cup of Nations. And then we're going to bring you all the major highlights, the semi-finals, our thoughts in the competition so far. My name is Oba Adiola Amokomo, and I'm not going to be doing the talking all by myself. I've got a very special sport analyst, a very, very important person um, who will be doing the analysis alongside uh, with me. But before we go on further, we'll just go on this little break. I'll be right back. Don't go away. MTN, your number one telecommunication network in Nigeria, has been supporting sports development in Nigeria, particularly football. As part of its corporate responsibility, they are the official telecommunications partner to the Super Eagles of Nigeria and have supported the team at the current Cup of Nations in Cameroon. Nigeria is a football-loving country and as a part of its initiative to support football fans, MTN has partnered with 140 viewing centers across Nigeria, where the fans get to watch the African Cup of Nations with some of their favorite celebrities and win amazing prizes. Yes! MTN has also shown support to media by sponsoring media personnel to African Cup of Nations so that you, the football fans, can be informed of the activities at the competition. It doesn't end there. MTN plans to gift Nigerians with cash rewards with Football Trivial Pro. So you see why we have to move with MTN? MTN, we move! Welcome back, if you're still listening, and you're welcome to this special African Cup of Nations edition brought to you by MTN. And we're going to be looking at the African Cup of Nations major highlights, the major talking points. I'm going to be talking with one of the best and one of the most respected um, sport pundits in Nigeria, believe it or not. Please welcome Tunde Koiki on Sport Africana. Thanks for joining us on Sport Africana this evening on this special edition. Thank you very much, uh, Adiola. And thank you very much to all your listeners all across the world. Pleasure to be here. Yes. And of course, we're at the business end of the African Cup of Nations. It's had several talking points right from the beginning of the before the competition began there were doubts beyond any um, doubt at all the tournament has kind of lived up to expectation it's um, garnered enough um, coverage from the foreign press okay so what would you say has been your general impression about the tournament and what are your major highlights so far well, uh, the Africa Cup of Nations uh, for 2021 was, I say 2022 now was, of course, like you rightly said it, I found plenty, plenty of press in the, for, in the foreign in the foreign media for negative reasons, right? And this was because it continues to be held right smack in the middle of the European season. And a lot of European clubs are not happy about that because they tend to lose some of their best players right smack in the middle of the business end of the season. So because of that, you'll always hear a lot of negativity around the tournament, about the host country, about the venues, about the weather 
Twitter, and it's, it's pretty much understandable. It's, it happens all the time, but this year's one was particularly virulent. It almost bordered on, on spite. Some even said it was even, people like Ian Wright even said that uh, it was a racist kind of coverage. But we've managed to put all that behind us, uh, and we've had um, a pretty, pretty decent tournament. Not high in terms of competition, do I say competitive edge, for so many reasons. One, because of the fact that it is now a 2014 tournament, as it was in uh, Egypt, a lot more games are being played than usual. This meant that they had to now schedule the games to start earlier than usual. So many matches started at 2 p.m., which was, in my honest opinion, rather ridiculous. Now, because it's 2 p.m., a lot of people are not in the stadium because 2 p.m., people are at work or people are at school or people are going about their businesses. Nobody is going to leave that to come to the stadium at 2 p.m. And also, because there were 2 p.m. kickoffs, there was a lot of problems for the team. The heat was tremendous. 32 degrees Celsius, sometimes 35. The humidity was also terrible. Between, sometimes oscillating between 65% and 75%. And that meant that in every single game that we watched in, that, in, in the first round, in the group stage, that kicked off at 2 p.m., only one goal was scored. Only one goal was scored in every single match that kicked off at 2 p.m. That's because the conditions were not optimal for anybody to play any kind of football. But be that as, as it may, I think the, the, the tournament itself has lived up to really, really great, great billing. We've seen some really great performances from so-called lesser teams. The likes of Sierra Leone give us some wonderful highlights. Equatorial Guinea, Malawi, Comoros, you know, all these so-called smaller teams really gave us plenty to celebrate. So, and for those who always argue that there's no reason for a 24-team tournament, when you think of the fact that these small teams have really, really held their own and also beaten some really established teams, and I forgot to add the Gambia, the Gambia, so the Scorpions of Gambia, but also a major highlight in this competition as well. When you see what these so-called lesser teams have done, you can now begin to understand the argument for a 24-team tournament. So, I think that's the highlight for me for this competition. The fact that the so-called lesser team really gave, they gave a great account of themselves also the organization could have been better from all the reports i've gotten it is a it's a problem that we've had across africa too many policemen too little security right crowd control was also an issue which also led to the unfortunate incident that the Olympia stadium last monday where eight people lost their lives it could have been it could have been avoided some better crowd control measures i mean in a 60,000 80,000 capacity stadium you only left one entrance one entrance for thousands of people to go in through that i mean that that smacked of irresponsibility but by and large, if we're talking about the action on the pitch, it's not been bad. And speaking about the pitch, a lot of the pitches have been really, really substandard. Really, really substandard. I think only, I can only point out Garua and maybe Limbe as the good pitches, but the rest of them have left a lot to be desired. The, the Olympia pitch uh, today was cutting off terribly. There's also the pitch that's going to host the final. So, I mean, I'm not looking forward to a, a fantastic show of football because the, the pitch itself at the Olympia Stadium is not lending that much quality. But by and large, it's been a good tournament. And I think the highlights for me will be the fact that the lesser teams, the so-called lesser teams. Gambia, Sierra Leone, Equatorial Guinea, Malawi, all of them held their own against the leading lights of Africa. Definitely, I agree with you. Talking about the lesser team, the highlight for me was the goalkeeper of Comoros. That was one big oh, highlight wow. for me. How can I forget that? <laughs> a left back, you know, manning the goal, pulling some incredible saves. And like you rightly said, I just have to agree with you that majority of the teams can well, most of the so-called um, lesser teams can hold their heads high and say that they've done something very good. And they can, hopefully, their FA can sort of build on that. And of course, not to talk about 
some of the countries that um, while they were playing the competition, there was military coups in their country, Burkina Faso, a case in point. And recently we had a Guinea-Bissau as well too. Politics aspect is going on, but the football is sort of um, taking the minds away, countries concerned of what is happening from the political aspect. Moving on now, we are now at the business end. We've just witnessed the semi-final match between Egypt and um, Cameroon. And yesterday, which was Wednesday, Senegal played against them, Burkina. So, you know, for some reason, this was me personally, and I'll get your opinion on this. I was actually wishing for Egypt Senegal final, and I'll tell you why. I live here in the UK, two most important football personalities play in your club, Liverpool which you have vested interest in. And it's good. And I felt it's good for the press. I went to one of the major media outlets and caption was Salah's Egypt faces Sane's Senegal in the final. And I think for me, that is good for African football. What do you make first and foremost of the games, the semifinals? And what do you make of the fact that we're having a showdown that will showcase Africa to the world? Okay, so firstly, the semi-finals. Let me start with the Burkina Faso Senegal game. That game, I still I thought was a really, really good game. Excellent performance by both Burkina Faso and Senegal. The Burkina Bays are a young team. I think the average age of that team is between 22-24. So it's a young, vibrant, very, very talented team. They gave a lot of teams a lot of problems, and they were there, and they were they got to the semi-final by merit. They, they took some really good scalps along the way. So Burkina Faso were a good value for money. But for Senegal, I think that was the best game that they finally played in this tournament. Don't forget that this Senegalese team also started this tournament very slowly. They qualified from their group with five points, two draws, and a win. They only scored one goal in the group phase. But when the tournament, when the group the knockout phase started, they started growing into the competition proper. And this was the game that winning African Footballer of the Year, Sadio Mane, finally, finally showed what he was made of. He finally played in that position where he plays for Liverpool on the right side, uh, sorry, on the left side of the front three. That helped him to get into the game. From the blast of the whistle, it was very clear that Sadio Mane was up for it. And he wanted to show exactly why he was African Footballer of the Year. And I think he did. I mean, two assists and a goal. I mean, definitely he was the man of the match as far as I was concerned. So it was the case of Senegal wanting to prove that they are still number one in Africa. They They've held that number one spot for 38 weeks, which is an African record. Also, the fact that, you know, they wanted to show that getting to the final last year was it was, was not a fluke, that they're still the, the number one team in Africa. So they were never, they weren't going to treat the Burkina Bays with kid gloves. It took a while, right, for them to get going. But in the 70th minute, when they did get going, they couldn't stop. That's why they ended that game 3-1. So congratulations to the Senegalese. They did very well. And also congratulations to their, to their coach, uh, Ali Sissé. This is a man who is condemned to win this tournament, right? Because he has a long history with it. He got to the final with this team in 2002 as a player and a captain. He, he missed decisive fifth kick for Senegal in that shootout against Cameroon, which they lost. Uh, he also got to the final again as coach of this team in, two, in 2019. Now he's in the final again. So he's a man, it's as if destiny is calling his name. I'm really hoping that he can finally pick up that destiny because he's a man who is beloved by not only his players but by the Senegalese people in, in, in large and there have been questions regarding his ability to take the team further so there are a lot of people are saying that he can only take the team so far so his managerial ability has been questioned so if he finally wins this he will put all that to rest so congratulations to him and I hope he does win it for the second semi-final now that was a very poor game Cameroon made it a poor game the Cameroonians had everything in their favour they had the momentum they had the two top scorers they had the stadium crowd but they lacked the intensity they lacked the proper decision making in the final third they lacked the, the concentration the necessary concentration needed to break down that Egyptian team but that Egyptian team on my part I thought they played a masterful game they, are, they understand their strength they are not the most explosive of teams 
Their strength really is in attrition, wearing down so-called bigger, more explosive teams, wearing down, them down, taking them into the deep end. And that was what helped them to overcome the likes of Irritated the Cote d'Ivoire, taking them into a penalty shootout. And they've proven very good in sport kicks as well. They've converted every single sport kick that they've taken in this tournament. So congratulations to Egypt as well. Not pretty on the eyes, not exactly everyone's favorite team, but they showed that after that loss against Nigeria, they know just exactly how to get the best out of this team in order to achieve their goal. So what this has set up is, like you hinted at, a fantastic panel where the former African Footballer of the Year, Mohamed Salah, is on one side, and the reigning African Footballer of the Year, Sadio Mane, is on the other side. Now this puts the conversation strictly front and center about African football. Because before this competition started, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp was in a whole controversy regarding calling this the African Cup of Nations a, a small tournament in code. I honestly believe he was misquoted. He didn't mean it like that. English is not exactly his first language, so he doesn't really understand something like nuance and context. So he, I honestly didn't feel he meant to slight or insult the Africa Cup of Nations. But the two best players in the English Premier League are Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah, and they play in the Africa Cup of Nations final. What a story for African football. The English press has condemned to give it maximum coverage. So that puts African football front and center of the global audience. Because, you know, when it comes to football, England leads the rest of the world. Everybody wants to and when they begin to drum this up, when they begin to hype this, it it goes on to the new news, uh, the news wire. Also, this competition was probably the first, was the first one. I beg your pardon. That Sky Sports, who are a leading broadcaster in the UK, actually broadcasted. BBC was also covering this as well, broadcasting again. So, my God, Jola, I don't. This is the biggest TV event in 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 England. Forget the FA Cup. Forget the FA Cup. I, love, I know a lot of people will be watching the FA Cup, but the timing is also right. 7 p.m. on a Sunday, you can be guaranteed that maximum eyeballs will be watching. Mohamed Salah go up against Sadio Mane. And, and as for the people of Liverpool, I'm sorry, I don't know. Alliances are going to be, loyalties are going to be divided. There will be Salah fans on one side, Mane fans on the other side. One thing is for sure, Liverpool will be the winner. <laughs> Liverpool will be the winner of this epic final that's been set up. A good showdown. We'll just go on a quick break right now. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about Super Eagles, Ghana. Which way, Nigeria. We'll be right back. MTN, your number one telecommunication network in Nigeria, has been supporting sports development in Nigeria, particularly football. As part of its corporate responsibility, they are the official telecommunications partner to the Super Eagles of Nigeria and have supported the team at the current Cup of Nations in Cameroon. Nigeria is a football-loving country and as a part of its initiative to support football fans, MTN has partnered with 140 viewing centers across Nigeria, where the fans get to watch the African Cup of Nations with some of their favorite celebrities and win amazing prizes. Yes, MTN has also shown support to media by sponsoring media personnel to African Cup of Nations so that you, the football fans, can be informed of the activities at the competition. It doesn't end there. MTN plans to gift Nigerians with cash rewards with Football Trivial Pro. So you see why we have to move with MTN? MTN, we move! Welcome to Sport Africana. You're welcome to this edition, the special African Cup of Nations edition brought to you by MTN, the number one telecommunication network. And MTN has really contributed to this competition so far. MTN actually have been supporting um, Nigerian sports, particularly um, football, and they are the official partners of the Super Eagles of Nigeria. The official telecommunication partners
partners of Super Eagles of Nigeria, and they've been supporting the team all through. Unfortunately, Super Eagle crashed out of the competition, and MTN also have supported the media. I'm sure um, Tunde will agree that the media um, sector in Nigeria is one of the most challenged when it comes to um, the financial aspect or when it comes to the remuneration. But MTN has supported media men to cover the African Cup of Nations, which is very, very laudable from a corporate organization like MTN. And they can only um, hope that, you know, we'll be seeing more of them. And of course, in addition to that, MTN has partnered around 40 viewing centers across Nigeria. So basically, while fans get to watch the African Cup of Nations, they get to watch it with some of their favorite celebrities and they have the opportunity of winning amazing prizes. Wow. Sunday, talking about um, the viewing center, it's a culture in Nigeria at the moment where, you know, people gather to watch football. So what do you think the incentive from MTM could add to people watching football in viewing centers, from your opinion? First and foremost, I want to thank MTN for, you know, finally, finally getting involved with the national team of Nigeria and substantially football. For many years, they've tried their best to put their imprint on Nigerian football. But for reasons we would rather not talk about, their efforts have been frustrated. But they say he who laughs, laughs, laughs best. And I think this is the timing for MTN could not have been any better. Uh, first, by sponsoring, by becoming official telecommunication partners of the Super Eagles, they are, they are also they are putting their imprint directly on a, a property that is very dear to the heart of 200 million Nigerian people's people and more in the diaspora as well. Also, the fact that, you know, MTN is also partnering with viewing centers is also particularly key. The viewing center culture is very, very strong in Nigeria where people actually leave their home and go and watch football matches as viewing centers because they want to be within the midst of friends, colleagues, even strangers. There's always something to, there's a there's a community spirit when you watch football in, 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 in a public viewing center with other people. And this is, this is free. And they get to meet other celebrities, they get prizes, brand items by MTN. MTN are masters of activation as far as the Nigerian markets are concerned. They are peerless when it comes to activating property. Some of their, their adverts on TV and radio are timeless from way back. And don't forget, MTN recently also received, did a share offer in Nigeria on the Nigerian Stock Exchange that was oversubscribed. And if I do recall, more than 70% of 70% of people who bought those shares were women. You know, women with the ages of 40 and under. So they're not only empowering, they're also empowering women as well. So MTN is, I'm just having goosebumps just thinking about what MTN capacity to do for Nigerian football and the Nigerian society is. So congratulations to MTN. I think it's a long time coming and, and, and I'm sure that, you know, uh, Nigerian football can only benefit from MTN's uh, participation in our football. And it, it can only get better. I'm, I'm waiting to see the kind of things that MTN can do because, like I said, they're masters of activation. They understand the Nigerian market. They've been here for over 20 years so they understand what it, what it takes for the largest telecommunications brand uh, in, in Nigeria. And Again, they supported some media men to cover the African coalitions. Myself and you know how challenging the media industry is, particularly the sport media. I'm sure you agree that it's laudable that, you know, we're beginning to get some sort of support amongst our media men. Yeah, you know, because MTN also, they they provide these media men with uh, data, you know, whereby they can continue to do their jobs even if they're outside of the country. Uh, Also, the fact that MTN is also present in over God knows how many African countries and you can even roam your number. Uh, so interconnectivity tele- through telecommunication is enhanced by the partnership of MTN with these journalists. So getting their stories, getting all the hot scoop from Cameroon, uh, getting it back to Nigeria is made more seamless uh, thanks to um, MTN. Right. And talking about Super Eagles, that's the elephant in the room. There's no way we can yeah. talk about 
the African Cup of Nations and not about Super Eagles. Now, when you look at where Egypt is, it's almost impossible for you not to pinch yourself and think that could have been Nigeria in the in the finals. First and foremost, what's your impression about the Super Eagles at the AFCON? Now, for me, personally, I would say the result was disappointing, but the performance was good. I don't know what you think. Okay, so I would say the Super Eagles overachieved. Yeah, I would say they overachieved because prior to this tournament, I didn't give them a chance of even getting out of their group, not to talk of even getting to the second round. Don't forget, this is a team that fired its coach basically weeks, basically days before the competition started. This team barely had 10 training sessions together. This team didn't even have a single friendly match in Nigeria on the, of its way to the African Cup of Nations. The only friendly match was against a Cameroonian club like Cotton Sport Garua when they got to Cameroon. So this team, in all honesty, they overachieved as far as I'm concerned. Now, the fact that they beat Egypt, beat, beat uh, Sudan, and Guinea-Bissau, you know, it, it's heartwarming, right? And, and it was really good. And it was the convincing. Against, it was convincing because the, the performance against Egypt was very, very convincing. I, I have never seen in the last 15 years where the seven-time African champions were outrun, outthought, outfought, outmuscled, outplayed, and outmaneuvered. I can't remember the last time anybody treated Egypt in such a manner. It could have, if Nigeria had beaten Egypt by 4 0 on that day, nobody would have complained about the scoreline. But the fact that they did it in such a convincing manner, it gave a lot of Nigerians hope. But unfortunately, it was a false dawn. Now, routine wins over Sudan and Guinea Bissau were pretty standard. What happened was that. Hold on. In the Hold second on. round. Let's, put, let's yeah. put a perspective there. Yeah. In the days of the previous technical crew, those kind of yeah. games were not standard. Right. Yeah, for the simple reason that before that competition started, before during the World Cup qualifiers, this team played with a lot of fear. They played with the brakes on. They didn't dominate games. And the fact that they struggled against lesser teams. This was a team that got beat at home by Central African Republic. This was a team that was breathing through the backside to see off Benin Republic. This was a team that was sweating against the likes of Sierra Leone and Liberia. So this, that didn't give anybody confidence. So the fact that not only did they manhandle seven-time African champions, Egypt, the way they did, but the fact that they also dismissed Minos, uh, Sudan, and Guinea-Bissau, gave a lot of people a lot of hope that this team could raise its mentality to play against big teams and small teams. Because the question, I don't even ask around this thing, that it's almost as if they always seem slightly scared of smaller teams. Hence their performances against the likes of Liberia and Central African Republic. But they show that that's not the case, that they can mix it with the big boys uh, they can bam bam with the big boys and also, you know, take care of the smaller teams. However, the problem with that team was that they became too predictable. It was the same formation, the same tactic, the same approach that Austin and Guavon employed in all three games. Now, if you're, a, if, if you're a smart coach, you see that this is a very one-dimensional team. And it was very clear. The attacking outlet was Moses Simon. It was so... Once that outlet is shut off, you now have to have, this team now has to has to start looking for alternative ways of breaking or breaking through the opposition. Now football is pretty easy if you understand it as a basic sport. The basis of football is this: prevent the opposition from scoring while you breach the opposition defense as many times as possible. Now how do you do that? Three ways: you can either go around the defense, you can go above it, or you can go through it. This Nigerian team showed that it only knew how to go around the defense, and that was wing play. So when you use inverted wingers like Moses Simon and Sam, uh, Chukweze as your attacking outlets, it becomes very clear that that is the supply chain. 
once you block that, there is nothing that this Nigerian team is going to do. So that was why you saw that Moses, uh, Simon and Simon Chikos, they were double teams and even triple teams at that. They beat one man, they couldn't beat the second, they couldn't beat the third. So that was not the problem. The problem was the fact that Austin Guavon saw this thing happen for 90 minutes and could do nothing about it. So the definition of madness as we know it is when you keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Another coach after the first 25, 30 minutes would have seen that, look, my tactics have been figured out. I have to give these people something else to, 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 to think about. A simple change in formation, a simple change in personnel would have given the Egyptians another problem to think about. They had set themselves up to defend against that 4-4-2 that, the, that Eguavon was, um, was employing, and Eguavon did not have any response to it, and that was why Nigeria lost a very poor Tunisian team, if you ask me. Right, moving forward. Nigeria is playing Ghana at the World Cup qualifiers. And currently, the issue of the technical crew or who is going to manage the team, I mean, there are rumors here and there that is suggesting that a Guavon might be retained or the rumors that um, the Portuguese coach, that's um, Jose Pesero, has not signed a contract. What are you hearing from where you are, from the close quarters where you are? Okay, from what I've heard, I heard that um, the contract sent to Jose Pesero, sent it back. He made seven adjustments to it, to the clauses that he was given. I don't know what, I'm not privy to the contract, so I can't, but I do know that he was sent back. He made seven adjustments to it. The NFA, NFF have not responded to those, to those seven demands for amendments. So, but the fact is, the Super Eagles are running out of time. Their first game is against Ghana on the 22nd of March. There's basically no time. So, and for Pesero, it's a tough call. They're jumping into a game whereby this is one of the biggest games on the African continent. And this is a, a timeless game between two rivals who have long historical ties, culturally, sportingly, economically. It's going to be, it's a, it's a, mass, a match for the ages. Believe you me, when the last time Nigeria played Ghana in a World Cup qualifier, social media didn't exist. Now, with the advent of social media, the banter between both countries, I mean, you've been privy to the banter over Jollof Rice, over who plays the better football, over who has the best music or the best musicians. It has been intense over the last decade. Now, adding this mix where both teams have to contest for a ticket to the FIFA World Cup in Qatar 2022, my God, Diola, this is one, this is one that none of them can afford to fail at because the, other, the loser will not leave it down for an eternity. Now, what does the Nigerian national team do? They've decided... I'm hearing through the game, Brian, that they might stick with Austin Eguavon and add Emmanuel Amunike, former African Footballer of the Year, former coach of uh, Tanzania, to the coaching crew to strengthen it so that they can, that, so that they can negate that, um, that idea that this team has a short time to prepare. Because they're not going to play any friendly matches before they go into that game against Ghana. There's basically no time. You have to hit the ground running. So that so that adding Emmanuel Amunike to that to that coaching crew to see how it works. I don't know the relationship that Austin Guavon and Amunike have because Amunike is a strong character and has a certain way he, he, he wants his team to play. So hopefully both of them can reach an accord that can be in the best interest for Nigeria because I don't if this if this board does not qualify Nigeria for the FIFA, for the FIFA World Cup, there's going to be a lot heads will have to roll. That's the way I, I actually chatted with Emmanuel Amonike because of rumors that have been bantering that he's possibly been appointed as an assistant to assist Eguavon, and he said he's not been informed of anything. 
those were his words to me. And I know Amunike very well. He wouldn't, you know, he, he wouldn't take those kind of things serious and lightly. We've come to the end of uh, a special edition of African Cup of Nations. It's Egypt versus <laughs> Senegal. And this has been brought to you courtesy MTN, number one telecommunication network in Africa and by extension Nigeria. Until we come here again, when we bring another special edition, we'll be talking about the African Cup of Nations. By then, a winner would have emerged. Who is what's your prediction? Egypt, Senegal. I want Senegal to win it. I mean, I, I honestly want Senegal to win. They've been they've been a very good good they've been good ambassadors of African football for the past few decades. They have some great players as well. They've come close a few times, and they, I think they've they've played some really good football in this competition, especially in that semi final. And it'll be great for them to win their first African title. And so, will it be fair to call it the Liverpool derby? <laughs> <laughs> That's not far from the truth. But I know one thing is that the club will be very happy because this is this will help to launder his image and put you know put pay to that uh, small misunderstanding at the start of the tournament. And the fact that at least one of his players will be African champion. Right. You've been listening to Tunde Koiki on Sport Africana, um, the special edition of the African Commission brought to you by MTN. But we'll come your way again when we bring you another special edition. Stay safe and remain blessed. Bye.